Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and of course, Mark Schwarzer. Every episode, we like to taste and try a new bottle of the Burgundy Grape. We are absolute fiends for a red wine. We absolutely love it. And we like to compare that bottle of wine to a player, past or present. And I introduce you now into the episode, Mark. I do think I said red wine. I don't think I said red wine properly. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. Um, I was going to say something. I, I just think you've had way too many glasses of red wine already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I take my art very seriously. That's all I can say. And you're also probably still celebrating from the Arsenal's first win of the season, emphatically against a. Very, very average, underwhelming uh, Fulham sign, unfortunately. Are we still on top of the table? I think we are, potentially, yeah. I think Arsenal are. It could well be, yeah. Yeah, listen, just listen, enjoy it whilst you can. I've got vertigo up there, Mark. I've got vertigo. It's getting a bit, a bit too high <laughs> for us. Hey, uh, we'll get to the football in a moment, but let's just discuss the wines. I've gone for, I've treated myself to an Oyster Bay uh, Merlot. So uh, I really love an Oyster Bay. I actually really like the Oyster Bay whites as well. Um, for, for a white wine. I'm not massive on white, but if I was to have one, the Oyster Bay is an absolute classic. And I don't know if you're a fan, to, I'm sure you are a fan of New Zealand reds, but the Oyster Bay in particular is beautiful. Really reminds me of the Tassie wines that I, I would have back home. Yeah, I agree with you. The Tassie wines that I've drunk, uh, Oyster Bay, New Zealand wines, very similar in, in, in taste, texture, everything about it. Um, I, I do like an Oyster Bay red as well. Um, so I, I'll have to hand you that one. So I'm going for... Of course, I'm sticking with the Spanish. Yep. It's a Ramon Bilbao Crianza Rioja 2017. A winner, absolute winner. I've had it before, of course. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more expensive than I would normally choose. Um, it's around sort of the over here about, a, about the eight or nine euros a bottle. So it's it's a very nice bottle of wine, I have to say. That reminds me, uh, I totally forgot to tell you this. It really made me laugh. Uh, Dave Weiner, who uh, is on the, the Gagan Pod. Uh, working for Optus Sport, um, messaged me after last week's episode and he said, geez, uh, I felt bad for you that uh, Mark opened up a, a bo- an $800 bottle, uh, $800 bottle of red wine. You couldn't have any. And I said, yeah, I, don't- I think you might have said $8. $8. <laughs> I definitely yeah, don't exactly. Mark, don't deplo- he's gone for four pounds, five pounds, straight to 800 pounds. So I, don't- <laughs> I just want to confirm that that wasn't the case. You definitely were. No, absolutely. Yeah. In the case, and I would never be drinking an $800 bottle of wine. Uh, no way, unless someone else bought it for me, because I certainly wouldn't pay that. The, the rumour mill was, was running, though, for a bit there. We were thinking, Jesus, that's <laughs> doing all right. Wouldn't worry about Mark. Hey, Mark, let's get stuck into the footy. Plenty to talk about. Uh, the Premier League has returned. Well, let's start with the early kickoff on Saturday. It was, of course, Fulham versus Arsenal. I was there. Loved the atmosphere. 
when I say the atmosphere, it was me keeping an eye on Edu and we were clapping every time a goal went in. And other than that, Craven Cottage, it was a beautiful day, 22 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It was great. But uh, how did you see it from, from your end? Well, it wasn't great in terms of being a Fulham fan, of course not. Um, it was, uh, to be fair, I, I did expect it as well. I didn't expect Fulham to, to really uh, cause Arsenal too many problems, particularly if Arsenal played to anywhere near the way that they can play. Um, Fulham really concerning even before the, the first ball was kicked. Uh, lack of transfer activity. Um, just, I felt that they needed to definitely add a lot of extra quality to their squad and they haven't done so. And, 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 and in, one, in one sense... You've got to give Scott Parker credit. Um, he's stuck with the, the core of the team that got them promoted. The other side of me looks at it and goes, yeah, but you've got to be realistic as well and say, well, okay, are they good enough to keep you in the, the league? Uh, will they even give you a realistic chance of staying in the league? And I, unfortunately, I don't think they will. Um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of aspects of the Fulham game, Fulham team that disappointed me, you know, and um, up front, they just they didn't have, they were toothless. They had a lot of, lot of energy, a lot of pace, but that's it. Um, Midfield, um, Harrison Reed. You know, listen. I think he's a good championship player. The, the Premier League's a different level altogether. And Tom Kearney, I'm yet to see what people say about Tom Kearney. And not so long ago, he was, he was. Uh, I think it was West Ham and put in a, a 20 million pound bid for him. It was about three or four seasons ago, and Fulham declined it. Uh, if I had been Fulham, I would have snapped their hands off. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you're right. You, you, you're right when you're looking at it now. In, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, Mark? But he's he spot on about um, when they were going forwards, obviously Mitrovic started on the bench. When he came on, and I felt it changed things, uh, you know, for, for in that third. But if it wasn't Cavalero, that sort of felt like that might have been it. There was, it just didn't seem like there was any creativity going on. No, there wasn't. And, and that's the thing. Tom County's there to, to do that. Um, and he, he failed to really get any, any possession, uh, Tom on the ball. If he did, um, it was pretty much stra- uh, sideways or backwards in his passing. Um, and then running into to, to the space and closing down the space, you know, and not really giving people any room to, to make their, their moves. Yeah, it's disappointing. So much about it was disappointing. Um, and, and, and like I said, it kind of just it just confirmed my my initial fears that, that Fulham aren't aren't good enough. And uh, I think the, the, the Premier League stay is going to be very short lived once again. Well, let's try and be positive from another perspective. It was a clean sheet for Arsenal. Uh, uh, three assists was it to Willian? A goal for Gabriel? You know, a, a win away. It was a, a pretty perfect way to start your, your campaign. You'd have to say. You're not going to give William three assists, are you? I think you can. I think you can. First one, the first one is no way in a million years a William assists. It was a good save, wasn't it? To stop it was a very him. good save. Yeah. The, deflect, the deflection from the save falls to, uh, to Lacazette, of course. But listen, no, listen, take nothing away from William because he's, a, he's an excellent player. Um, I was disappointed to see him leave Chelsea, but then in one sense, I was a little bit excited to see him go to Arsenal because I, I, I believed he could make a big difference there. He's going to get a far more game time there. And I think he's going to make a bigger difference uh, in, in this Arsenal team. And if the first game of the season they needed to go by, and yes, it is against a form side that were, were underwhelming. Um, but I think, you know, William will, will get better against better opposition as well. It's not like he'll go hiding. It's not like he'll struggle. He's still got a lot, a lot of quality, a lot to give to that Arsenal side. One interesting thing I, I, I do know that you, you noted was in Gabriel's debut, oh, he got the goal, 
pretty strong. I don't remember the last time Arsenal have had a centre back with so many clearances. You know, it was it was pretty good. But first five minutes, there was a, a serious moment that would have changed possibly the way Arsenal fans would be talking about him still to the day. Of course, I think I think it would have been the whole game back the same sort of uh, tone of you know same defensive problems. Another player that, that's come on and made a big mistake, um, letting the ball go. Uh, Kamara gets on the end of it. Leno does exceptionally well. He's so quick. He's, he makes himself so big, and that that is a huge huge save. I mean, I know in the context of things, you know, Arsenal do go on and win the game three 0 but the time was nil nil, and Fulham definitely would have obviously lifted. Would they have been able to hold on and win the game? I doubt very much so. I still think Arsenal would have won the game. However, people would have been talking very differently about uh, Gabriel's uh, performance. So against, as you said, you sort of touched on with what Fulham, you know, where their sort of expectation level is. If Arsenal were playing a City or a Liverpool, he wouldn't have got away with that. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think I think the quality that Liverpool Arsenal sorry, Liverpool Manchester oh, City oh, slip of the time. You said Arsenal. Well, Arsenal front. Aubameyang, Lacazette, well, yeah. Yeah, they would have scored. You yeah. know, yeah, there's there's never any there's never any doubting the quality of Arsenal going forward. No. There's no doubting about it. That's why they're trying to break the bank to, to keep Aubameyang. And rightly so. If you look at his stats, his goal scoring stats, it's, it's incredible. Um, it's right up there, it's up there with the very best in the Premier League. Uh, Mo Salah's up there. In, in, incredible, insane stats of goals to, to games. So um, it just shows you how important it is to keep a player of that caliber, guys that can score you goals regularly. So the last thing on this game, I just want to feature the 2020-2021 uh, future Ballon d'Or winner, Emmy Martinez. He wasn't in the squad. Uh, is expected to sign a deal with Aston Villa around the 20 million pound mark. At time of recording, it's it's not gone through. So. Uh, apologies if it's happened by the time that this podcast is done. Um, but I think it's sort of a, a pretty perfect move for everyone involved. Do you think if he didn't play in those games at the, the latter end of last season, we probably would have only got five, six million for him. And then if you can go for 20 and he becomes a, a first choice keeper at a good club, both, both, both camps happy, I would have thought. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, Arsenal have already been touted around with, with various uh, replacements potentially to come in. Uh, listen, I think it's a decent, it's a, it's a really good amount of money in, in this climate. Yeah. And I think, you know, by, by what they're talking about, it seems like they'll get a, a replacement for, for less money. So it's good business from, from Arsenal's perspective. And it's great for Martinez if he goes to, to Aston Villa and is their number one. I feel for Tom Heaton uh, because he's a very good goalkeeper. And unfortunately, the injury that he sustained is, is a long-term one. And, and, and by all accounts, he's, a, he's still a little way off yet coming back. Um, and it's going to be a real struggle for him to get back in the team. So from one side of North London to the other, Tottenham and Everton, the Toffees with a 1-0 victory over Spurs. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting out of that game. I was sort of maybe thinking a draw, possibly a Tottenham win, but Everton, they're a new-look side. Hammers was very exciting, and I thought they were really impressive. I, I think, you know what, Hammers has definitely did play really, really well. You know, every time he was on the ball, he looked dangerous, he was creative. Um, his movement, he's, 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 he's moving in space. He's always looking to, to create space for himself to have time on the ball. He's, he's brilliant. I mean, he's passing, uh, he's finding Richardson on the left-hand side on numerous occasions. Um, very, very good. But I have to say, the one player that excited me the most when they signed him in the summer was Alan. Alan in midfield from Napoli. I think he's a brilliant player, midfield player. 
and he's just he reads the game incredibly well. So comfortable on the ball, um, doesn't have, doesn't doesn't receive a lot of the headlines, but, but he is a massive signing for him. What about from a Tottenham perspective? What, what went wrong? Was it just court napping or same old, same old? Really, lack of lack of transfer activity, too much reliance on players like Harry Kane, uh, Deli Ali. You know, Deli Ali. I mean, wow. I mean, the credit that he's built up over the years mm. because he, he's 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 failed to to live up to the expectations. He's failed to reach any of the heights that he showed early on in his career at Tottenham, um, and he continuously. Get to starting berth. Obviously, obviously Mourinho took him off, and it was was a bit of a game changer for Spurs when he did go off. Um, just goes to show you, you know, how things can change around when you make a tactical decision like that. Um, you know, the, the signings of Hoiberg, uh, Doherty. You know, Doherty at a right back is a good player, very good player. Um, but has he improved what they had before? I think so on the defensive aspect of it. Uh, over Aurier, definitely. Um, when you look at uh, Hoiberg in midfield, is he going to be a massive improvement? Not in my opinion. Um, he's just going to—he's just going to reinforce the midfield a little bit. So there are worrying, worrying concerns for, for Tottenham, you know, because of the over reliance again on Harry Kane. The Delhi Alley one's uh, quite funny because uh, the last episode we talked about the All or Nothing documentary, and the last episode I watched in particular, Jose was really. Yeah, it was almost the narrative for about 20 minutes of it was, was all about Delhi, And it's surprising that he's almost stuck around because Jose's the sort of operator you would have thought, he openly says, you are so lazy. Like, you're just so lazy. And I would have thought, from an outsider's perspective, that's the sort of player that Jose wouldn't have any time for. Well, it's, you know, he, he, he obviously speaks his mind. Yep. And one can argue if that's right or wrong in terms of what he's actually even saying. Is, is Deli Ali a lazy player? Um, that's open for debate. Um, the way that Jose, Jose Mourinho wants to play, the, the expectation he has on his players, the work rate that he expects from his players, then yes, I can understand why Jose Mourinho says he's a lazy player. Um, he wants everyone to work. And that was probably one of the hardest things he tried to convey across to, to Eden Hazard when he was at Chelsea, yeah. was to, the demand on him to, to work. To, to put in the effort, not only going forward, but also in defence. And, uh, and he's trying to do the same thing with Deli Ali. You know, he's trying, to, he's trying to, to, to make him change his game a little bit, to work harder for the team off the ball, uh, as well as with the ball. He also reckoned that the only piece of advice that Sir Alex Ferguson ever gave him when he went to United was, sign Deli Ali. Sign Deli Ali. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I think when Deli Ali first broke onto the scene at uh, Tottenham, he was he was phenomenal, and you could understand why team, any team uh, would have been interested in signing him. Since then, I, I think he'd struggled to get another top sixteen. He'd struggled to be at that level. I, I just I just don't see him being. Where would he fit in? Which team would he walk into? He wouldn't even walk into an Arsenal team. That's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I love, I know I, what I love about when I can look at you, you can just see your mouth starting to to, to move and transition <laughs> into a grin before you even say it. I love it. Hey, so we've gone from North London. That's all covered. Now let's go South East London. Crystal Palace. They took on Southampton. I thought Zaha was brilliant. But there was one moment that I do want to talk about, which was the red card inconsistency. I, I, is inconsistency the right word? Possibly not, but I really enjoyed the, the use of um, when, was it Walker Peters that was given the red card initially 
And then they went, well, hang on, go and have a look. And he went, yep, sorry, yellow card. Did you like it? That's, what it's, there. But that's what it's there for. That, that's game changer. You know, that, that, that could cost, you know, that costs teams points, costs them goals. You know, it's all invaluable to various positions on the table. And, and that's, that's the big reason why VAR is so important and it needs to stay in the game to get those key decisions right. Referee, you, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be there to restrict referees from making decisions. What it's there then to do is to make sure that the decision was correct. And if it's not, let the referee know, let him go and look at it himself again, and then go, actually, yeah, I did get it wrong. I, I didn't see it right. But the blink of an eye, the referee's job is so difficult. And it was pretty quick, I, th- I thought as well. Like the whole, didn't take long, a couple of minutes, didn't, I mean, it might it's have been. Gonna get, yeah. It's going to get better. With time, with practice, the technology is going to evolve. It's going to get better. People just need to be a bit more patient with it. I mean, there are just so many people out there that are haters. They love to criticise it. They love to, to bring it down and say that it, it, it's ruining the game. It's there. It's here to stay. It's going to get better. It's going to have a less of an impact uh, the longer we go with it. And it's going, to, it's going to make a difference. And it already does make a difference. So for Crystal Palace, uh, we saw Eze make a, a bit of a cameo there, which was great uh, for him. But it was it was the Zaha show again, really, wasn't it? It was he is the he is their man, and I think, geez, I tell you what, he dipped off. I don't know if you agree, but he, I felt like he slightly dipped off last season. But this Zaha, this Zaha, is capable of some really wonderful things. And then the big question mark about the start of the season this time around was, were you going to get that from him because mm. of all the distractions, all the, 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 the transfer talk uh, surrounding Saar? Was he going to stay at uh, Palace? Was he going to go? Um, it's dragged on. Roy came out and said as well, it's distracting. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help them, the club. It doesn't help the player. So it's great to see him put that to one side and go out on the football pitch and do his thing. Because the, the best way of him being able to force through a deal or, or to, to create interest, force someone's hand to come forward and make a bid for him, is to go out and put in a performance like that. Mm. Because then it's going to potentially push someone and go, right, actually, you know what? This guy is phenomenal and we need to go out there and, and, and pay the money to bring him to the club. And uh, on, on, the rever- on the flip side of that, hopefully it goes on a little bit longer. So Roy and Crystal Palace can benefit yeah. from the quality he possesses. I mean, you know, to, to win that game was hugely important. I mean, they've lost, I think they lost uh, seven of their last eight games at the end of last season. Had they got off to a bad start this time round, the pressure would have been enormous on Roy's shoulders. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gegen Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, the Gegen Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Uh, Mark, I'm very much enjoying my Oyster Bay at Merlot. They describe it as a refreshingly crisp and elegant red with delicious concentration of variety and intensity. Not a bad little bio, that, is it? It's not, mate. Mine, uh, and this is the same, mine is described as fresh uh, at the entrance of the mouth, pleasant mouth feel. Uh, red currant, wild strawberries, mem- memories uh, reappear. Spice in the background, light notes of shrubland and a long aftertaste. It really does speak of you. What, what sort of memories did the heaviness? Back? You know, the yeah. long lasting taste to it. The heaviness? It's, it's, a, it's a real beefy kind of uh, red wine. Um, and you, it's really up your street. Yeah, I like Cheers. it. 
right in my Ost house, as they say in your part of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. One word that I, do, I really think needs to get more of a run in, in just day-to-day life is the Ost house. <laughs> Why not? Why I not? Think you should continue. I like it a lot. Hey, um, yeah. just going back to when we were talking about uh, Craven Cottage, it was my second time going there. And I know you sing the, the, the praises of the stadium uh, a lot. And I had a, a different view and sitting, sitting in, the, you know, in the media section. And the, I know that uh, on the countdown for kickoff show, I touched on the, the chairs that were there, the beautiful old rickety, uh, like, yeah, like a, a chairs you would imagine almost in a church or in a, an old boarding school. And um, I was just wondering, though, because I, I had the perfect view of the scaffolding. And I was sort of, you, they've got like the, you know, sort of the graphics of what the stand will look like. Do, are we a fan of the, the idea of it being one half spaceship, the other half retro? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, when you've got old, preserve, preserve the old, maintain the history. And then whatever you put near it, next to it, it's got to be really contrasting because yeah. you don't want to distract. You don't want to try and replicate what's there. You need to make sure that that's there. It stands on its own. It's able to present itself in its glory. Um, the iconic nature of it, the cottage in the corner, the, the Johnny Haynes stand, the one that you were sitting in, or how that's, the, the entire buildings, everything about it is heritage listed. As you mentioned, the seats, they can't change them. The floor, the, 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 the wooden battens, the, the ceiling, the, t- uh, the, the trusses in the, in, the, in the roof, everything about it is heritage listed. It's an amazing little quaint stadium. And I, I like the idea of this really modern, futuristic sort of style of st- uh, stand on the opposite side, mm. on, the river, on, the river, on the River Thames. And uh, once it's finished, it's just going to add that extra bit of flavour, that little bit of extra quaintness to the stadium. The walk up to the stadium was uh, really nice this time around. Because the last time I sort of came from a different angle was more sort of the, the pubs around Hammersmith, that kind of way. This time was walking along the Thames. Beautiful weather. Is it pub crawl the first time is that right yeah yeah absolutely oh absolutely which you have to yeah absolutely and then stop for what did i oh i've got a bovril outside the stadium i really immerse myself in the culture mark but i think uh, think there's a large uh, proportion of football fans in australia who have been in london have been to craven cottage you know it's one of those stadiums that you've got to go and uh and visit watch a game watch a Premier league game if you can if not championship game there's something very iconic about I remember when I was playing there for Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, Irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Five years, there were so many Australians who came to the game and, and would either show banners, flags, call out after the game. I used to meet up with so many football teams that were, were, were travelling over. Uh, they would make themselves known and they'd ask if I'd come out and say hello for, you know, for five minutes and have photos taken. And it was amazing. You know, it was amazing to see that there was such a whole high volume of Australians going to the game. Okay, Mark, let's get stuck back into the Premier League. There's one game we really desperately need to touch on. Is it too early to say it, it will be the most entertaining game of the season? And that's, of course, the, the uh, West Ham... New- no, sorry, it's the Liverpool-Leeds game. 
It was so exciting. I live with a, a Leeds fan, and so it was a you know it's sort of having someone around who was that invested in it. I sort of felt a bit invested, and it was the pump up was great. But then it was just it was insanity. You didn't know where to look. You didn't know who was going to make a mistake first. But the Leeds goals as well were brilliant. He must have been a bag of nerves, was he? Oh, it was, it, yeah. He did the ironing at one point. You know you're stressed. I, I reckon that's Richard Bayless as well, doing exactly the same thing. He would have been doing the ironing, something like that, bag of yeah. nerves, watching the game. He would have been throwing things around the room. And obviously Michael Bridges, who claims to be a Leeds United fan amongst all the other 25 clubs that he supports as well. Yeah. Um, honestly, it won't be long before Michael Bridges hasn't got a team in the league that he supports. And then he'll win every year. Yeah. He'll get relegated every year, but he'll win every year as well. <laughs> The one hand giveth, one hand taketh. That's that sort of stuff. I know, but you know what? It was, it was it was a very very entertaining game, and and is it going to be the most entertaining game? Um, listen, it's got it's pretty hard to beat so far. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, only one, not even one round of football being played as yet. Except the benchmark, very very high. Um, I mean, you know, you, you can break it down and say, listen, there were some pretty poor goals conceded, well taken goals, but poor goals. A defensive aspect from both teams. Uh, both teams would be very disappointed with the way they consider goals. Um, but I suppose that adds to the drama. That adds to the excitement of the game. End-to-end stuff. Credit to Leeds for really going uh, at Liverpool right from the off. You know, putting them under pressure from the middle. You know, from the first whistle in their own half. Um, I just hope. I, I think they do. They've got more than what Norwich had. Don't forget, Norwich started at Liverpool last season, lost lost five one. But Norwich had big chances. That could have easily ended up 5-3, Whereas this one obviously ended up 4-3. I just hope that Leeds continue. And I think they will. I think they've got more quality than than Norwich had. Um, And I hope that throughout the course of the season, Leeds do continue to entertain because they'll continue to play the same way as did Norwich. Yeah. Norwich did have have some really big upsets along the way as well. But they then also fell, fell away massively. I just hope Leeds is able to continue that momentum. So the goals that, that were scored, uh, both teams will go away from it, you would have thought. Both Bielsa and Klopp will look at it and go, I think they'll both be frustrated for two completely different reasons. Leeds conceded two penalties and a pretty unstoppable uh, shot from Mo Salah. And then on the flip side, I thought Leeds' goals were incredibly well constructed. You know, we've got a, we saw a little bit from Calvin Phillips in a, a great lob pass. I thought uh, Jack Harrison's goal was exceptional. Was it better than... Think maybe, and then my man Paddy Bamford, who I always criticise, getting around Virgil Van Dyke and chipping Allison. It was brilliant. Yeah, listen, it was an assist by Virgil Van Dyke, wasn't it? I mean, if you're if listen, if you're a good striker in the Premier League and you're given a pass in that area of the of the pitch inside the eighty yard, if he doesn't score, there's something wrong. You know, like it's a massive opportunity. Not not that there's something wrong. It's a massive opportunity. Um, it was laid on for him on a, on a, on a you know on a tee for him. Yeah. So um, there's a lot a lot about all you know quite a few of the goals. Leeds, Leeds' first goal they considered was unlucky. It's a it's a, for me it's a hundred percent penalty. He's just really unlucky. Mm-hmm. Um, if his arms down by his side and it comes off his thigh and hits his arm down by his side, then I would say no. The fact that his hand is so far away from his body um, has to be given as a penalty. Um, and then, obviously, the, the, the fourth one is a 100% penalty. And Mo Salah's, yeah, the, 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 the smashing of the top corner was a, was, a, was a fantastic goal. But defensively, you know, you look at this, the, the corner where Van Dyke scores from, leads poor. 
Liverpool were poured in, in various goals as well. So, yeah, going forward, both teams exceptional. Defensively, both teams, a lot of work to do. Which is something that we don't uh, necessarily associate with a modern-day Liverpool side. And it brings us to, to that man that you touched on, Virgil van Dijk. He looks a, a shadow of himself. I mean, it, 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 come on, his preseason was poor. Yeah, but it's not two minutes. Come on, listen. The guy, the guy is a phenomenal player, right? And yes, did he play as well as last season at times? No. Um, has he dropped off a little bit? Maybe. But the bar was so high. I mean, it's such a high level that he needs to play it every week. And and that's that's understandable. You set the bar so high. You've delivered that sort of performance week after week for a number of weeks, hour months, and you're expected to to, to deliver that. When the minute they drop off a little bit. People like to criticise. I think the criticism was over the top uh, of Virgil van Dijk. I think he's a phenomenal player. Was he a little bit, was he lacklustre? Was he too complacent? Absolutely. But there's no doubt to me that, you know, that's the kick up the backside he possibly would have needed. Um, and I don't see him doing that again. But this is, we're talking about a guy like Patrick Bamford who, who isn't, he's not great, mate. He's not like... You like the- like to give him a stick, don't you? Because yeah, he's not very good. Like, I don't understand it. When Enkedia was there, he couldn't get a game. He's sluggish. How many goals, how many goals did he score in the championship? How yeah. important was his chance for Leeds? Yeah, but how many did he miss? He scored, last season, he scored 16 goals. Yep. So Patrick Bamford scored 16 From goals 45 appearances. Uh, well, I, yeah, exactly. So, it's not a bad return. It's double figures, mate. Anyone in double figures is a good return. 16, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's getting there. And he scored on his first game of the season in the Premier League. Yeah. And the question, listen, the jury's out. Can he deliver in the Premier League? Absolutely. No, that's with every single player at Leeds United. Can they deliver? Every team's got promoted. Any player that makes the jump from the championship or from a league outside of the UK into the Premier League. That, 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 that the difference in the, in the quality of the league, will they be able to deliver that level? It's exactly the same with Patrick Bamford. But hey, even though it was laid onto him as a, on a tee for, from, from Virgil van Dijk, he took it. And that's the main thing. That's all he can do, take his opportunity. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. And from a striking perspective, they have shored things up with Rodrigo as well, who made an appearance towards the but, end. Uh, but he doesn't. A lot of goals. He scored what six goals or something last season for for Valencia. He's a hard working player. He's a good player. He's a good technical player, but he's not he's not necessarily going to score your bundle of goals. Well, well, he, he's he's track record. His his history has proven that he hasn't. So then, if they've shored up, or you know, supposedly you know, shored up as at least another body in that area of the pitch, I think uh, we do need to address the elephant in the room, which is the goalkeeping situation. Uh, that poor guy found himself more lost than I am sometimes walking, you know, around the underground trying to find the right tube to, to catch. He was out and about. He was, doesn't look imposing. I don't know. It just, it, yeah, I worry about him. Listen, I, I think that's very harsh. Um, yeah, I, at times he looked a little bit like a rabbit in headlights, right? Uh, Ivan Messler. He, he's the French under-21s national goalkeeper. Uh, they signed him from Lorient permanently in the summer. So he played at the back end of last season uh, because Casillas, first he was suspended for, for um, uh, making a racist comment um, and he was suspended for like eight games. Uh, Messler came in and did well. Then uh, I think uh, Casillas got injured and then uh, Messler came back into the side and he finished the season and they made his 
made his move permanent. So there was there were big question marks as to whether or not that was a position they were going to strengthen. Um, I know your man, I know your man from uh, from Arsenal was heavily linked uh, to to Leeds at one stage, um, but I think you know what. It's one game, it's Liverpool, it's open game of the season, he considered two penalties. Like, you know, let's just wait and see how, how it goes on. But I think he'll only I think he'll only improve it. There's a lot, a lot of um, expectation on him because he, he supposedly, you know, he's supposed to be a very, very good goalkeeper. I think he, in hindsight as well, probably helped Leeds and a few of those guys um, that there was no uh, fans there. I think it probably helped the occasion. I think they would have found themselves... I felt like some of the players found themselves little bit overwhelmed at times, which is totally fair enough. You know what the thing is as well? When, when you're playing, like Leeds are playing, obviously they play such an attacking football. You know, they're a lot of possession, high line. They want to, they want to close a team down in, in, in their opposition. The thing is when you're playing against, in the championship, it works very effectively. Um, when you talk about the Premier League, you've got obviously better quality players. Liverpool are one of the best teams in Europe. Um, you know, they're current world champions, club world champions. Um, take that from what you want, whether that's a fair, a fair uh, sort of, uh, um, uh, what would I say, description of it, because in the fact that, you know, you're only playing the best teams of each region around the world. You're not playing a whole lot of teams in those regions. Um, but it is what it is. So they're playing the top team who are able to beat the press from, from most teams. So you're exposed. The defensive back four, back five are often exposed one-on-one. Anybody who's coming up against Salah, Mane, Firmino is going to find it difficult. And, and Leeds were no different. Um, the thing that worries me is that, that whole thing of going toe-to-toe with the team. Yeah. Okay, the next game is against, against Fulham. Go for it. And if Leeds play anything like they played against Liverpool, they'll destroy the, uh, Fulham. Mm. Um, but against the likes of, if they try and do that against Manchester City, Chelsea, uh, even your, your boys, uh, Tottenham, yeah. don't see... <laughs> Sorry? I said crew. Uh, yeah, Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, Tottenham. Uh, I mean, Arsenal. Um, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll come undone again. Will they score goals? Yeah, probably. But I think they won't score enough to win those games. Let's uh, now uh, finish things off with the last game that's already played. We'll leave the next two Monday night fixtures to the Gangon Pod guys to cover off. But of course, we had West Ham and Newcastle. Now, very much like my big call suggesting that the Leeds Liverpool game could potentially be the most entertaining game of the season. Uh, is it too early for me to say that West Ham are absolutely relegation contenders? Straight away. Yeah, they've been relegation contenders probably every, every season for the last couple of seasons. The thing about West Ham is they do have the quality to get themselves out of it. That doesn't necessarily mean they will. So um, and the argument, I suppose, is to say, well, is this now one season too often? But there's only one game, right? But the problem is it was the way in which they lost the game, how poor they were. Then there was obviously the Mark Noble uh, criticism of the club for selling one of the young players, um, lack of investment this, this time around. But you know what? We're in a very difficult and, and, and trying time with COVID. So, you know, you look at Liverpool. Liverpool have spent very little. They've been, spent money on one player. You know, most clubs need to sell before they can buy because of the current situation we're in. West Ham are affected like everyone else. Um, they, are, they were very poor. 
and they've got to turn things around very quickly. Otherwise, they can find themselves four or five games in and still have possibly no points on the board. Noble got um, you know, sort of divided opinion a little bit with his, with his Twitter antics. Do you, you know, some people sort of say and suggest that it can kind of galvanise fans a little bit, you know, in some sense? Or do you, did you see it more as a negative? It's like, mate, come on, we're about to kick our season off. You want to get us underway yeah. on a bat, on a negative nutboot? It's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's playing on both sides, isn't it? Really, like I mean, he's been there since forever. You know, he's he's also one of the, the first players that the fans tend to criticise when when things don't go so well. Um, I think he's just at the point where you know what, I'm going to say it how it is. You know, and he's probably frustrated. Probably it's probably one one instance too many. You know, not bringing any players in, and then all of a sudden, suddenly one of your, your most talented up and coming players. Um, and, and, and that's, that's obviously hard to say. I don't think he should be voicing it publicly. I think voice it internally, go and go and speak to the manager, speak to the hierarchy, voice your, your, your concern, your discontent with the way it's been done, handled. I don't think it helps anyone by coming out publicly and voicing that opinion. In general or in this specific circumstance? I think I think anything to do with players in and out of the club. You know, I think as a player, your obligation is to be a player, do your job. The decision making in terms of players coming and going from the club is not in it's not your it's not in your your jurisdiction. You're there as a football player. You know, you've got to do your job in representing the club, representing the fans, playing football to the best of your ability. And as as frustrating as it is, I, I've been in those situations before when you see the club. Club starting the demise, selling your best players, allowing your best players to leave on on freeze, not renewing contracts, replacing with lesser players, um, inadequate players to keep you in the Premier League. It's happened to me in a few clubs over that, and it's frustrating. And there's not much you can do about it because ultimately the people who are making the decisions will still go and do make the same decisions because they're running the club and it's their club to run it how they choose. Mark, uh, how have you enjoyed your red wine? It's almost time to wrap things up here on the Two Sharp Reds. I really enjoyed my Oyster Bay Merlot. Uh, yours, uh, Rioja, is from uh, Bilbao. Is it actually from Bilbao or is it just, that's just on the no, label? It is, mate. Yeah. No, it is from Bilbao. Oh, I'm going to put... You know, it's not going to be from Bilbao. What do you want about? Well, I mean, you know, when I, uh, when I was driving around with my all plates, uh, you know, on a Nissan, I did put a Porsche sticker on the back. You know, it's, it could be quite similar. If, but that wouldn't surprise me from you, right? right. So anyway, Bodegas Ramon Bilbao was founded in 1924 in the town of Paro, wine capital of Rioja. Oh. So they have 240 hectares of their own vineyards, split, split between Rioja and Rueda, mm. another region in, in Spain. So it's just below Bilbao itself, the city of Bilbao. Um, no, I'm loving it. Really, really nice. Like I said... It's not my first glass. No. And it won't be my last. Won't be your um, first Rodeo, cowboy. You know, because Rioja, Rioja, Rioja is a pretty intense wine. It's, it's a bit like you're, it's, it's heading towards the Shiraz end. Mm. Not as intense as Shiraz, but it's heading towards that end. So oh, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and it's not, but it's not too heavy. So yeah. it's not like your, your big meaty Shirazes that you like to, yeah. to, to chew into. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This still goes down in a fluid type substance. Uh, a fluid type substance. I like it a lot. Now, um, my Merlot being from New Zealand, have you been to New Zealand? 
I have, yes, but very little. I've only been there to play football. I'd love to go there one day. I'd love to go to a couple of uh, vineyards. I'd love to, to go and spend some time there. Yeah, it's mad. Where did you play? North or South Island? Uh, where did I go? I went to, I think I've been to Auckland and Wellington. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh, it's just such a beautiful part of the world. And the, the produce in general, like whether it's beer or wine, but or just, you know, fruit and vegetables and, and meat is, is exceptional. So I think it's got the, the seal of approval from me. If it, if it comes from Tasmania, New Zealand or South Australia, I'm all up for it. Now, Excellent. Mark, uh, would you like me to go first? Or would you like to go first in comparing uh, your player? First, it gives yep. you a little bit of extra time to think Absolutely. Through. Absolutely. Take all the time that you need. I've gone for a pretty simple one. So please don't try... Well, try not to criticise me because I'd say that with this one, I've maybe reverted slightly back to my style of, you know, I've picked one thing that's really just stood out and that's how I'm, I'm comparing this player. But... The, uh, the way that the Oyster Bay Merlot describes itself is a refreshingly crisp and elegant red with delicious concentration of intensity. Now, the keys there were refreshing, crisp, and an elegant red. Uh, and I suppose levels of intensity too, but it was the elegant red and how refreshing it was that makes me just, I've got to give it, based off his performance on the weekend to Willie Ann. It was refreshing to have someone like that on the field for Arsenal. Um, he was, his passes were crisp, in particular that assist to Bamiang, I thought was some of the great crisping passing, passing that you could possibly do. I thought it was brilliant. And, and didn't he look just fantastic in that elegant red Adidas uh, of Arsenal? I think it looks, uh, it's a beautiful kit. But yeah, I'm going for Willie Ann this week. Okay, that's so predictable that you go for an Arsenal player. And actually, I was going to go for an Arsenal player until you jumped in there and said, well, yeah. Who are you going uh, to say? So therefore, no, I'm not going to say now. Okay. I'm going to say the time. Okay. And so, therefore, um, for me, it's, it's, it relates to, it's, it is fresh at the entrance to the mouth, Ooh. pleasant mouthfeel, uh, wild strawberry, strawberries, memories reappear. And it's spicy on the background. So bearing all that in mind, um, fresh at the entrance, he's still very, very fresh in and around the ADR box. Unbelievably fresh. Leading goal scorer last season, won the, won the golden boot. Has started off brilliantly well again this, the first game against West Brom. Um, he's very pleasant. It's still very pleasant to see him playing at this level, to be delivering still against all the odds. Starting so late in the Premier League, yeah. um, and there's no doubt that he's still very, very spicy. None other than Jamie Vardy. I like it a lot. And does he? What what uh, memories does he conjure up for you? Oh, that he's that he's always spicy. He's um, that he's a that he's a pest. Yeah. He um, he's determination to get on the end of things. And not only is he with those players that just his pure pace, he's got a technical side of him as well that's really, really impressive. And the way he strikes the ball, um, his timing, he's, he's now sort of waiting for a defender to open his legs up as he tries to make the block, then strikes the ball back across. So often his shots go through players' legs. Um, you know, he's very clever. And he's also um, always constantly waiting by the phone for you to accept an invitation to one of his parties. 
that will never happen, apparently. That's right, it's not going to happen. I'm too if old he, for that stuff. If he invited you to a party now, would you say no? Yeah, I'm too old for that stuff now. No wonder no one comes on the Two Shut Reds podcast, Mark, because you keep saying no to these sort of things. That's COVID, mate. That's why we're not got anyone on. It's COVID. Six people, six people we can all at once. No, no more, no less. Yeah. But then the problem is, like, will, they, will we have to be quarantined? I mean, social distancing, all right. that sort of stuff. I don't know. And you is know what? Easy it's bad forward? news for you as well, because that might mean that I might have to come to yours for Christmas. Well, yes, you may have to. Um, the thing is, as well, when I get back to the UK finally at the end of the month, I'm going to have to spend two weeks in lockdown as well. Oh, true. Oh, yes. I didn't even think about that, of course. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. okay. Well, that'll lead us probably right up to Christmas. I would have thought, think about how long no. you're sticking in Spain for. Not quite. No, middle of October and we're on. We're on. All right. Game on. Love it. Well, Mark, I'll leave you to do the outro here. Yeah, well, again, we've run out of time, of course. Like every other week, we've run out of time. When we come to the end of the show, that's why we're ending the show. Um, it's been great. Yeah. And what a weekend of Premier League football that we've had. And it's still not over yet. And tonight, Brighton against Chelsea. I'm looking forward to that. Matty Ryan, speculation about whether or not uh, there was going to be an extra competition for his position. Not to be. And will Timo Werner get on the score sheet? And will Kai Havertz have an assist? I think so. Cheers, Mark. All the best. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.